Hello everyone and welcome to Monique's Bed Whisper. Alright, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the social socialization of black children um, at a young age. And not just black children, let's talk about all children. So I, I apologize, I can't recall the name of this study, but this study has been done multiple times. And it's where young uh, young black children, indigenous children are asked which race is better or smarter or cleaner or whatever the case is. And it's really sad to see the majority, over 70% of the black children, um, they were given images of different shades of children ranging from white kids all the way down to the really dark black kids. And so whenever it was a negative question that came up about um, who, what's the kid that's not, the, is, that isn't smart, the little girl or the boy would point to the, to the black dark child. And then they would point to the, to the little white child as smart. And so when, when you're seeing that America and people all over the world, because this story and case study unfortunately will have the same results all over the world most places I shouldn't say all because there are children that are actually being taught self-love they're not being restrained by race they're not even really there on that they're very confident they have their own culture maybe they're even their own language from the country they reside in or they could be very well in um, many pockets in America especially down south where you will find, and back east, where you will find that dynamic of, of teaching um, self-efficacy in black communities. And that's very critical. It's very critical because when a black child, I think about my own experiences, I went to all Latino schools here in Colorado, and I experienced racism, like you wouldn't even believe that actually scarred me. Um, it, it damaged me in some ways in my self-esteem. Um, just just growing up around that. So it le- it, I learned at an early age, my skin was considered not good. My skin was considered ugly. But when I was in first grade, I had a teacher, her name, I, I don't know if Dr. Bean is still living but Dr. Bean, um, she taught us about Martin Luther King. And I still remember the song, you know, that we sang about Martin Luther King. And I remember something inside of my spirit at the age of, I think I was about six, something in my spirit like changed when I heard about black people in history. And I don't know what it was, but I, I was on a journey of self-awareness that at a very young age. And she introduced me to that. So that gave me the, the curriculum to prepare myself to deal with these the situations that I would face in the future because of my dark skin. Some people who are not dark skinned will be the first ones to say, oh, it's all in your mind. Oh, it's all in your head. And it's very troubling when you do that because that's called gaslighting. And it's also a way to deflect responsibility because you're probably the one that judges people based on their skin color. Okay. 
And you may even be a person of color, your damn self. So um, that's how ignorant I think a lot of people are, unfortunately. Socialization begins at a young age when it comes to playing with dolls, for example, whether they're boy dolls or girl dolls. When you are trying to go shopping as a child, and these days you see a lot more dolls of color, but when you see the majority of the color is going to be like a blonde doll or a white doll, or you're going online shopping, and that's what you see the majority of, that right there in itself, it sends a, it sends a message to, to a child that that is the doll that is more preferred or is prettier or is better. And then you're trying to find the dark doll and you're praying that the black doll looks just as good or as the white doll, or if not better, or that it has features or characteristics that you can play with and love. Luckily, to, in today's time, there are, there are um, black doll makers, and it's very different from when I was growing up, which had them, but it wasn't like today. So, but I, the reason I bring this up is because there's still some sort of disconnection with self-esteem. Like, even though we have more dolls, what is going on with the self-esteem still? What is the socialization that's actually occurring in classrooms? You know, and I'll tell you what it is. When the child begins to be introduced to stories and the first story is about a bunch of white people, that already in itself is, is setting that child back 25 years, okay? You're already telling that child you are not, irre- you are not relevant and it kind of puts some kind of weird fear factor like it's, it puts this weird fear thing around white kids around you. And not saying you have to be afraid, but it, it changes the dynamics. When you are a child and let's say, and I'm going to flip it. I'm not talking about kids that may not have as much, but you come from a well-to-do background. Maybe you're from a, um, you live in a mansion or you have nice cars. You have nice, your parents have nice things. But the world around you, when you go to the stores, um, when you go shopping, when you are playing with other kids that are not like you, you notice there is a difference. Um, Sometimes kids aren't prejudiced, but oftentimes they have been listening to their parents and they, they turn out saying stupid stuff too. And then they grow up like their parents. So... Regardless, there's still a socialization. How, how is this happening? The biggest way to, and easiest way to socialize a child or an adult is through images. Images are the one thing, images and, 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 and your subconscious recorder. Okay, now your subconscious recorder records images. So the subconscious recorder is an internal tape recorder that is constantly recording. It never, ever stops until the day you die. Okay. What happens is when you start feeding information at a young age into your subconscious recorder, it picks up the, it picks up the cues and the hidden cues that are involved in the messages 
that were created before you took it, before your brain consumed it. It's like consuming bad food. So if if it was the intention of the, the news station or the television station to put a bunch of um, non-people of color on their commercials because they that is not the audience that they want to appeal to, but yet they do have people of color or children watching that, then the subconscious recorder is saying, I am not, I, I am not valuable. We are not worthy of that. We, we are excluded. Why are we different? And when you start seeing that over and over again, and then when you find yourself in the physical world, in this scenario, you want to be a part of that. And when you try to be a part of it, you realize that there's, there's opposition. For, for example, when you go inside of a restaurant that is well-to-do, an all-white neighborhood, and white could be Latino white, Asian white, Indian white, black white, okay? So get me get my drift. You can go into a all-white restaurant, okay, where people are identifying in a particular white access code. That is that is a a part of the mark of the beast because you you think that you are superior than another group. So you're exhibiting beast-like characteristics because it will eventually lead to decay. B, um, a lot of the people there are not wanting to see any people of color. Hence is the reason why they went there. And you didn't know about it until you found out about it by one of your white friends. C, um, they don't want you there. So let's go, let's do it. So you walk into this place with your family. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I live this. You walk into a restaurant with your family. Everyone turns around and they're looking at you. Who are these people? Oh my God. Oh my God. Who are these people? Oh my God. How do they find out about us? Oh my God. I hope they're not going to be like super loud and eating like ordering. Oh God. Thank God we don't have like chicken I know they're like so into chicken and like watermelon um who is this family daddy please don't look over there because I don't want them thinking that like we like them or we even want to talk the talk to them so oh what kind of ooh, what kind of perfume is that it smells stinks oh my god it's making me nauseous <sighs> who are those people? Why did they have to sit so close to... No, Daddy, I'm not going to be quiet. No, I'm not. Okay, okay, all right. I, all right, I won't say anything. I'll just kind of try not to look at them. I see that guy. He's just like super loud. Oh my God, it's my favorite restaurant. And now they're going to start inviting like all of their friends and family here. Ugh. who's that who's that little girl with those like Medusa braids oh you know they're just kind of making our whole like neighborhood look bad right now I'm so glad like I did not invite my friends no I just so irritated I mean jeez. well I mean 
daddy, well, you're the one that's always complaining to anyway about like all of the people of color, like coming into our places and like, here they are. I thought that you said they weren't going to come. I know. I saw that there's like at least three of them that have already moved here. Oh man. I'm like, no, I'm not. I am not happy about that. My friend Sue Kim, you can't even tell that like she's even Asian, first of all. And like her family owns like a factory in China. And yeah, like, so, I mean, she actually kind of like makes me look posh because like she's got all of the cars. No, um, my friend, like her name is Lana, but like, I know she really like her mom calls her Lupe at home. But she says never call her Lupita or something because like everyone would know she was like, you know, like Latina or something. But she she considers herself like white Latina. So like, again, like I can't even tell. And, you know, sometimes daddy, honestly, like you, you just can't really tell like who's who's like white and who's not sometimes. You know, and like, there's even like Whitney, I mean, yeah, like Whitney, she's actually like, she's like a white black person, but she goes by like white, you know, and like her hair is curly, but all she does is like straighten it. And it's like super pretty too. And like, oh my God, like, so my friends are like super like gorgeous and like, we all like to hang out and you know, nobody knows like. You know, they just think we're just like super hot babes. And so, you know, but they all kind of like follow me and they say like, you know, I'm just, I am the one like that all of their men like desire. So yeah, daddy, that's kind of how that is. But still, I mean, like nobody knows that who they are, but like these black dark people, like they need to get a clue because I am not going to be coming around for this. Okay, so that was one example of an idiot. Um, Yeah, that's an idiot. Because sadly, this idiot exists six degrees from us. I mean, there's a bunch of people that feel that way. And so when you're a child and you're walking into a restaurant and everybody's staring at you, like, what are you doing here? It sends a subconscious message in my internal tape recorder. Um, I'll never forget... So I used to, I've traveled a lot as a, as a child and that's why I kind of understand a a lot about different cultures too. But I went to Florida and I was a part of this church revival thing. And we were in a, apparently a, they're the racist part of Florida. And we didn't, I didn't know that. Like I was a teenager. So we're standing in line in this restaurant. There's no, it was me, my, my friend's mom, who actually, they do have actually white, a lot of white in them. Cause she's, I don't know. Everybody knows that they're extremely high yellow and passing. And some of their family actually passed. Um, but my friend's mom, like, you can't tell what the heck she is, but you know, she's a black woman, which you kind of don't know. But I'm clearly a black girl and my other friend, clearly a young black girl. So this old white man, they come in and they're saying, who are these niggers? 
who are these niggers standing here thinking they can eat here? And my friend's mother, she heard them say that. And then she turned around. She goes, I heard what you said. And then they just stood there like dumbfounded. She goes, I heard what you said about us. And so that was the end of that. But the fact is I learned at an early age, like different socialization, um, not being able to find the, the cute dolls, like the Cabbage Patch dolls. Why is my Cabbage Patch doll looking like Raggedy Ann? You know, um, I think that there needed to be more emphasis and continues. Con, this needs to be a continuum, more emphasis on um, images of beautiful black children and women, men and, and boys. Uh, that's significant because a lot of even the photos that you see about slaves or like black people, you don't see the Victorian black people during slavery or the ones that were looking like jazzy snazzy up in the master's house. Beautiful. They don't really like show you those stories. They show you the same story of that family sitting by that old house with the black man with the hat with the pipe and he's leaned over and then the other family members and somebody's holding a baby. They show that same photo all the time. Get rid of that photo. Don't get rid of it in a bad way. Put it in the archives. Let's see some new photos. I'm sure that black family's like, dang, their spirit's like, dang. I mean, she, I'm trying to like be low key right now. You guys just keep putting us out there. Like we, we, we are the face of every single black person. So they're probably feeling the same way too, you know, and I'm serious. So, um, when children that are, when non-black children are listening to their, their parents talk about people of color and, you know, you think Timmy is playing with his Tonka truck, but he but he's actually listening to oh my god these there's just so many like black people moving into this neighborhood now Polly I'm just saying like man I don't I don't I don't want Timmy playing with these with these kids I mean I don't know what their families are into they're they're violent and you know they're they're, they're not really that smart and I don't want that I don't want their not those non-smart kids around Timmy. They're not, they don't even know how to read. And Timmy already knows how to read second grade level. And he's only five, you know, so they're listening to this while Timmy is crashing his Tonka truck into another truck. So when Timmy goes and he sees, when he sees Jawan, he's like, you know, it's, it's now it's time for, for homework time. And now they're reading, having to read the book. And here's Juwan getting ready to start reading. And what does Timmy do? He snatches the book away. Give me that. Let me read it. You don't know how to read. Yes, I do. Why did you take my book away? Because you don't know how to read. Little, little teddy bear fell down the stairs and I picked him up and we went to the moon see I know how to read better than you okay so that is ex literally an example one of a thousand 
of how socialization starts. When that little child starts to think that they're superior, they start realizing their privilege at a very, very young age. Let's give some more examples. Um, let's say little, little, uh, uh, Kimberly, and I just make up names. I'm never pointing them directly at anybody. Cause all of us have the same name. A lot of people have the same names. My mo there's a thousand Monique's. Okay. Thousand Jenny's. There's a thousand Katie's. There's a thousand, um, different Peters and Timmy's. So get it. Just know that's where my heart is. Okay. But let's say, um, I'll call, let's call her Molly. Let's say little Molly is playing with her dolls and, um, she's, yeah, she's playing with her dolls and she's combing their hair and mommy is in the bathroom, like trying to do her hair, but her mommy actually has like semi curly hair and she can't stand it. So mommy's complaining, like she's blow drying her hair. Oh my God, my hair is just like super frizzy. Oh my God. It's like, oh, what am I going to do? Just, oh, this comb is, just, oh, I don't want people thinking I'm black. Oh my gosh. I need to get something done with my hair. I don't want it curly. It is curly hair is terrible. It's just, it can't do anything with it. And it's, it gets so nasty and it's so matted. And my God, I'm just so glad little Molly doesn't have curly hair. Curly hair is just, oh, Molly, come here. Let, let mommy see your hair. Oh, darling, your hair is golden against the wind. It is brown against the, against the rays of the, of, of the seas of light. Oh, I'm so glad that you have just a little bit of curliness, but it's not like mama's hair and you don't want that, that God awful hair like those black people have. You don't want to tell those little girls that cause you'll make them cry, but just be glad that you don't have that kind of hair. Okay. So that's another example. So socialization, intimate conversations. Okay. About hygiene, you know, hair, um, texture, that, so now when Molly goes to school, what does Molly do? Oh my gosh, I don't understand why, um, why Keisha's hair looks like, it's like super curly. So Keisha, why is your hair curly like that? Ooh, why are you talking about my hair? I start the wrong with my hair. My hair is pretty. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, see how my hair is like, it's super easy to comb and brush, but like your hair is, it's just stiff. Like it doesn't really move. Why are you talking about my hair? Like what happened? Why? I thought you liked my hair. Well, I don't know. Your hair is just kind of, it's just stiff and it doesn't. And it's seems like if I tried to comb it, it would just break. <laughs> you be talking about my hair. Okay, so that's honestly that kind of stuff actually happens on the playground. If you don't educate your children, and I'm I'm speaking today, please, 
If you don't educate your children about these things, they will fall victim to being traumatized and you won't even know it. The trauma, trauma happened on the damn playground. The trauma happened in class when Matt thought he knew all the answers because daddy said that black people weren't smart in math. Black people weren't. That's why you see more black doc, I mean, more white doctors, but you don't see black doctors because we're not smart in, in science and math. And what little, these little kids don't realize is that the system of racism and ignorance is the reason why there is a cloggage and a disparity for people of color to emerge in a great quantities, not the little trickles. We have people more and more becoming doctors, but we need way more than that. But we have to adhere to the system and the system tells us that we are not equal. Our system, our current system, what are we going to do about this system? It's going to collapse on us one day. It, it is not going to sell. It's not going to be a system that sustains itself. And until that happens, the world will continue to go through plight and turmoil. I'm sorry to tell you, it is going to continue. What you have to do is decide how you're going to be in these situations, how you're going to conduct yourself. What kind of wisdom are you going to give to your children? What kind of subconscious cues are you teaching your children about other people and even about yourself? When you're a black person and you're complaining about your, your children's hair texture. So you're, you're perpetuating, you're, you're the back end of the receptor. You, you're a part of the conduit track. You're a part of the spark to make um, young p children of color hate their hair. When you're complaining about the kitchen, saying stuff like naps and, and I hate that word. I can't stand it. If you ever come around me saying it, I'm going to blast you back to the past. I don't know where even nap comes from. The word nap is a derivative word from the word nape, the nape of your neck, you know, like the cusp of your, of, of your, of your neck. And there's something about that, that when a black person sweat, sweated under the sun while they were getting, um, you know, having to continuously work. I'm this, this is, I'm talking about the human plight of slavery from South America on up North to North America, regardless or any part of the world that can identify. That was a shiny neck. It was shiny hair. It was sweaty hair. And sadly, when a black person was lynched and that rope went around the nape of their neck, they would call it the nap of their, that nap part of their hair. It got associated with the nappiness, or they call it nappiness and the nape. It, ha it has something to do with the neck and, and the lynching. And when they had to take the, the rope from around the neck of our ancestors, they talked about the hair and how the hair was snatched and how it was like a nap on the, you know, I'm trying to help y'all understand. Now that's my understanding of of the information that I'm channeling 
Now, if you go find a different answer, then great. But I believe there is a connection with that because there's something about why is it that the back of a black person's head or their neck is so significant of, of, of ugliness? If they, if you have a certain curl pattern on the back of your neck, what the hell difference does it make? Why, why was that part of the body? Why is that such a a thing? Okay. When you imagine that ropes went around necks around our hair and how it snatched our hair. Did you think about that when, when a body is being lynched? That the hair is what is hurting in that process. The snatching of the hair and the suffocation of that. That is what you... And then we have the nerve to, to hate the texture of our hair. Our beautiful hair. I'm I, And there's a lot of black people breaking out of that. So lots But when you're getting dreadlocks and when you're getting certain natural styles that have to be maintained where you're you're so afraid of your natural curl showing up. So you you twist your locks to death to the point where they're starting to actually thin out on the top. That is not that's still you might as well not have locks because your mentality is still of that of you're ashamed of your hair. Mama, when you and daddy, when you're doing your your child's hair socialization, they're ashamed of their hair because of what you're saying about it. When when you can't comb through your child's hair, ignorant parent. Sorry, I got a little upset because I just saw an image of a, a mother not applying hydration treatments or nothing on the child's hair is dry as a, a, a dried up patty cake. And you're up here combing, combing her hair to where it pop, pop is popping out. The hair's coming out on the comb. Okay. That, that is ignorant. And then you're complaining. Oh, your head just got a cheeky. Oh, you tend to head it. I, you tend to head it. Um, yeah. When, when you are, in your brain, you're not thinking loving thoughts about my hair. You're thinking about how nappy it is. The self-hatred and anger is coming out. So when you're combing it, you are making me cry. There's little girls growing up traumatized as adults because their hair, ha- they have big, beautiful hair, but it was, they went through trauma because of the way it was combed. So then when you see Molly McButter, with her golden sunrise flat hair, you know, it's just stringy. You, you think that that's the better hair instead of embracing your own hair. When mama is saying these things because she subconsciously know, she like believes in herself that this is the better hair to have, you know, and when you inflict that onto your children, then they grow up thinking that too. So when they're in the classroom, there's a insecurities that can begin to, to fashion themselves already in socialization. When children are teasing other kids because of their hair is different. 
maybe Marquise has locks, you know, maybe so-and-so has Afro puffs and the rest of the kids have their little braids or bowl cut hair, but you, you, these kids look different. Okay. So this is what I'm saying. Socialization. Um, that's it's, it's disturbing, but this is what we're dealing with when, um, uh, once again, it, w- there, we are seeing a better shift in the media, but I will call out something else. A lot of young people watch scary movies, including myself. I'm a scary movie buff, but when I was really young, I definitely was watching scary movies. The scary movies um, often depict black people as dumb or the first one to get killed, except if you're LL Cool J in that one movie he did. But, you know, like there's oftentimes black people get killed, not not in all the movies. But I saw um, two movies back to back. They were two different horror movies back to back. Did you know that the first horror movie I saw it was about some kind of creature guy. I don't get it. He was some spirit. And there was this this trailer trash white woman. That, like she had a smart, stupid mouth and attitude and this and that. And she was the reason she was the cause for all of the destruction because she she took like a relic out of this cave. Her and this guy took like something out of this cave they shouldn't have took. And it disturbed the spirit, but she was the most, she was the cause of it all. And the most disrespectful one. Tell me why there was this, uh, of course they use a, a black woman to be like the, the mysticism, the mystical woman. And she, she told her like, actually before even this black woman, there was another younger black woman that happened to be in the movie and she was walking through the forest and this this thing, the spirit attacked her and killed her. So she was the first one to go in the movie. Then after that, the, the white woman that caused all the friction, she actually saw this spirit face to face, this phantom. All the dude did was look at her like, and didn't even kill her. And then like he left. So I was like, okay, she's still alive. Then they showed this, the black woman, the, the mystical black woman who's the Oracle and who has the message. Tell me why this phantom thing goes and kills the other black woman. So there's two black women dead in the first 30 minutes of this movie. And I was like, are you serious? Then I saw another movie and the black person died first in the horror movie. I said, this is, we need to stop accepting these types of roles. We need to boycott roles. If you, if your role for me is subservient, I am not taking it. If you, in fact, I will make my own movie. You heard me. I will make my own movie. Hey, movie, movie people out there do your own thing. Okay. Collaborate. Don't hate. Okay. Work together because you need to make your own stuff. We need our own things again. We've had our own communities before they were bombed and pillaged. We've had our our own enterprises before they were swindled and stolen, especially uh, during the Great Depression. Okay, we've had our own things. Now, every time we try to build upon things, they get taken away or diluted 
or some venture capitalist wants to buy out our company and now we don't own the rights to it anymore. And now they make that company more valuable and you walked away with just a fraction of what it was really worth. Okay. So things like that, we need to reset ourselves. Now I am a storyteller and a story writer. My goal one day is to have a couple of the stories I've written turned into movies. Um, so, and I want to give a shout out to my good friend, Thomas Carter, who, uh, he wrote surviving the storm. Please check it out on prime time on Amazon. But, um, I've worked with Thomas, uh, since 2014 and got him into his first talk to be, I got him into his first talk show. So, um, I used to work for urban Houston network long time ago as a sales manager and um I want to give out a shout out also to Tiffany who is I'm not sure where Tiffany she's still running it but um Mr. Brazil he was actually the owner of Urban Houston Network and he passed away so I only share that because we need to start setting up our own our own you know media our own images and things of that nature because if that's how people are getting socialized is through images or through, um, you know, when you're a child through lit conversations and then, and then these conversations are actually reinforced when that, when children are watching Nickelodeon or certain shows and there's still that dominant presence of white uh, as the majority or the, the white access code a privilege that you, you will still see in many of these shows. And then you'll see like the token black person or a couple of couple of them in there, the mixed one. And then you'll see like the regular black guy, maybe his hair is not cut that good, you know, or they'll have us as a model, but we're looking like we're look, I'm sorry, like not every, just cause you're a black model or a whatever color, white model. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't necessarily think, make me think that you're beautiful. Be, like if you're wearing, they have you looking like a damn clown. I'm getting sick of that. Why are you picking black women with no hair? That's okay. But that's not the only images. That's not the only images. When the hair is like a boy, a boy, that's fine. That that That's fine. I need you to incorporate other looks of black women besides that, please. Because that's to me is, is again, is socialization. Oh my God. Like they're so exotic, you know, those exotic features. Oh my God. Like, you know, the shaved head with, with like the big hole in the ear and like the nose piercings and like, the bleached out hair is so exotic and, and, and that exotic, like thing that some people have with black people, like, it may God, like their hair is so like mixed and so like curly It may God, those like dreadlocks are so exotic. That's okay to a certain degree, but the exotic thing, um, can also become a stereotype because now you're it's almost like a 
wondering, willowing awareness. I don't know who you really are. You are exotic to me. You are, you are a strange creature from another world, a world of little black girls and boys and strange happenings of exotic strangeness of disconnections of me trying to understand how different you are. You are exotic. So exotic can mean, uh, you know, yes, amazing model, beautiful features never seen before, or it cannot actually not be a compliment. It's strange features never seen before, but closely related to an animal from the Amazons. Yeah, because I hit on every bit of truth because that literally is where that exotic crap is coming from. Okay, it has a uh, subconscious thoughts. A lot of things I haven't spoken about in even eugenics, you know, um, Darwinism, you know, the, the belief that black people are are not intel are just not intelligent. Are, are inferior are like animals and literally from the birth of eugenics came more experimentations done on our ancestors or my ancestors depending on who's listening experimentations on the brain experimentations within um you know unfortunately many black women dying at the hands of of so-called uh in, inventors the father of gynecology I can't remember his name offhand and he's not the father you are the you are the death seeker because many black women died on that bed because they had to be experimented on to see if if the uh, pap smear that apparatus used to do pap smears a specula or whatever it's called he had to get it just right how did he do that? By experimenting on black women who died on the table. But yet he actually has a memorial af- named after him, a statue somewhere. You know, when people go to med school, he is considered the father of gynecology. Okay. And I myself have experienced torment under the hands of doctors in that area. I never forget I had to have, and I'm going to tell you guys this because I don't care. I had to have a procedure that was, that was necessary at the time. They said it was necessary. Now I'm realizing it wasn't, wasn't even necessary. I was 18 years old and I'm sitting here. Um, you know, they had to remove something from me in that area. Let's say that. Do you know, I thought it was just going to be one doctor. There was a team of interns, white and I mean, white men and women, young people. And this idiot asked, oh, yeah, we're going to have our uh, students in here. You don't mind. It was almost like I didn't really have a choice. And they watched as this procedure went on. And it was a very painful procedure. And I had about six interns and doctors watching like I was on a you know have you guys have you all ever seen that black woman it's a painting of her and she's sitting on this bed 
and you can tell she's scared to death and there's these doctors getting ready to operate on her she's a slave that was that's how i felt i was her okay and i'm sharing this with you because when i speak about the things i speak about is because i have experienced these things and i have lived them i am not coming from a place of oh i'm just making some shit up just to to, to get listeners if you want to listen or not i don't care my goal is to make sure you know the truth and i was in a situation where these doctors and people violated me and when i thought the procedure was over the doctor this this person and and if i was old enough and wise enough to know i like if i was me now I, they would have been sued all of them he went back and said oh i need to take one more piece like cuz they had to test to do a test on me or something to test uh this piece of tissue and when he took that last he just had to take it he didn't need to do this because the procedure was over but he he wanted to go back for one more piece and when he did that that was the most painful experience um pain i have to date that i've ever felt and i bled for two months straight and honestly, I don't think that was even normal. I'm surprised I, you know, something didn't happen to me. Two months it's bleeding. Now that's personal information, but if you're a man listening to this, think about your girlfriend, your wife, your mother, your sister, your aunt, somebody you love. If you're a woman listening to this, has this happened to you? Or do you know someone it's happened to? Treat it like cattle. Treat it like like I was nothing. My dignity taken away from me. Afraid to even ever want to go get a checkup. I mean, I'm past that today, but that psychological trauma, which reinforced and taught me so much about the spiritual world. And let me tell you, when that happened to me, I believe that the high ancestors of old, my ancient guardians, I went to school in Huntsville, Alabama for two years, Oakwood College, Oakwood University, Black Seventh-day Adventist College. The college was actually built on a plantation. Um, Very, very peaceful place. I, I wouldn't even mind moving back down there, to be honest with you very peaceful place. And, um, and I received spiritual communication while I was there. And I believe that while that happened to me, it opened an even deeper portal for me to have healing hands. This is when, um, this is when later on I had a dream, uh, I was this in a different podcast, but Sometimes when I listen to gospel music or just positive messages, I would hear other voices singing with the singing the music word for word. And it was literally a choir singing. And um, this happened to me all the time. Um, I also heard a voice. It was like a group of people say to say I walked into my dorm room and they said, 
We love truth. I literally heard that. And the last thing, the most important thing, I saw other things, but I went to sleep, but I woke up and I saw this, it looked like a big wing, like a white bird wing. And it had, there was all this blood going through it. And let me tell you, this was a huge vision. It was like the wing stretched all the way into my dorm room, but out of the, above the dorm room, like it opened up into the sky. I saw all this blood rushing through this wing and all this electricity rushing through it. Then I reached out my hand and electricity touched my hand. And, and I heard a voice say, um, you have healing hands. Okay. And I didn't, and I woke up. Well, I kept that dream inside of me for many years. Well, as some of you know, in 2017, I rescued a pigeon using my social soothing hydrator product that I made for myself as a plant-based product. The bird had a, had broken wings and broken feet. And when I put that hydrator onto um, the bird, it soothed him. I, I did the bird call, call of dove. It's because the dove and the pigeons are actually cousins. And I let him know he would return. And so by me doing what I did, it allowed for the bird to heal. He was evaluated by a veterinarian and released back into the wild. He should not have even probably survived that. But I believe that my experiences in the in some of that torment that they tried to do to my vessel, it created an opportunity for spiritual advancement. So if you have gone through trauma in your life, the heavens, when I say the heavens, I'm talking about higher beings, higher vibrational beings that exist with you today. That is an opportunity to, to gain creativity and to gain um, spiritual gifts. If you have been, um, some people unfortunately have been, you know, bad things, trauma has happened to you and you have a beautiful voice to sing. You have a, a, a beautiful um, gift to, to create beautiful earrings, Ajabu. I'll give a shout out to Marviana Armstrong and also to Pamela um, with uh, Miss Peabody's. Um, so listen, I just want to say to you today, be encouraged, um, be encouraged. So I went into depth about something here, but as young people, when we take our, when we take our children to the doctors, have conversations with your children, make sure that that doctor is respectful, you know, make sure it doesn't matter what color they are, make sure they're not, they're giving you the, the respect that you need as a patient. Children learn at a young age, if they are loved and how valued they are. And the best way that you can teach your child that is through reaffirming them. When you make a mistake, apologize to them. I apologize to my son all the time. My mom did that for me. It helps me to release and, and, and him to see that I'm, I'm, I screwed up and it gives my son the confidence to say, I can move forward. Do not talk bad about their hair. That's the, when you do that as a parent, 
when that little boy is looking for love, guess who he's going to look for? Somebody that doesn't look like him. When when little Tony has grown up hearing his hearing um, Daddy O talk about, oh, you don't want to, you don't want them black them black girls, them dark girls, and you're a black man yourself, and you're like, oh, she high yellow too. Oh, she you got that red bone, that red bone. I got that red bone, jigga dinga jigga digga. I got the yellow bone, chiggy shiggy shiggy shiggy. And she's a dun and a dun and a shiggy shiggy. And she's a dun and a dun and a shiggy shiggy. Well, how the hell do you think these kids grow up helps, um, hating themselves? I call you, my friend, that is tap dancing in the camera lens. You are nothing more than a tap dancing sambo. A sambo that got their soul stole. Okay, so you're the one that is tarnished gold. You're the one that's fake, you little troll. And I say that because you're the ones creating and perpetuating the self-hatred with so many of our young people. It would piss me off. And I have to say this, too. As a young person um, growing up and seeing the music videos, another part of socialization, we can't just point the finger at white America. And when I say white, I'm talking about those that identify with the white access code, talking about black, white people, Indian, white people, Indian, Asian, by the way, is kind of the same, but is not, but it is, but it's not according to whoever that's, you know, and when, a, when a young person is only seeing long hair, even if it's fake hair, because a lot of black women actually have very long hair. They just may wear a wig or they wear it out and you don't even know it's it's there. But unfortunately, that's in the music videos. You're seeing mixed looking women or something that isn't necessarily the collective of many black women. You're seeing the same type of type of black women or maybe they're not even black in these music videos. So it teaches young girls. Oh, I need or even you know, regular women, oh, I need to look this way. I need to fit into this culture to be this way and wear my lace front wig this way. I want my woman to look this way. She needs to have hair that looks like this. Her skin can't be too dark. And that really depends to obviously where you're from. There's, um, there's black people that don't care about color or they may have a preference towards dark skin. But if you're not that or near something else, I'm talking to you. So all in all, we have to think about our own biasness and our own self-hatred. And if we knew our past, some of us are afraid to go to the past because you, you think you're, you're stuck in it. No, if you looked in the mirror and you know, knew that you came from an Indian tribe of so-and-so, um, there's many, we're, we're the walking lost children of this indigenous land. There are many pictures I'm asking you now go on Pinterest where you will see black people that are indigenous people from the past of different tribes that look just like me and you all different kinds, but we are lost because the Africans in Africa say we are not a part of them. You know, they say that, right? 
But why are we claiming African-American anyway? We know we all came from the continent, but our culture has, we've actually been here a long time. I will, I will focus too, I'm gonna take a break now, but I'm gonna focus in on 1830s and the treaties that took place where some um, an Indian tribes did not have to become slaves because they had a, a treaty with the American government. That's a whole nother conversation and why many Indian tribes became enslaved because they did not want to conform to the American government. Doesn't that sound familiar? The same belt of this system that we are living in has not changed. If you go against the grain, they will prove you to be insane. All right, everyone, and don't blame my name. This is Monique's Pet Whisper, and I thank you for listening. And stay tuned to the next podcast.